Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. New additions is the theme for this episode. Penn State adding 11 players to the roster this weekend as early enrollees make their way to campus. We'll go over each of those additions, talk about their potential impact for the program, and we'll talk to one here on the show. Made an international call to Theo Johnson, one of the top tight ends in the 2020 recruiting class, the final piece of this group to sign, uh, to commit and then sign. Uh, you'll hear from him. Nice 20-minute interview later here in the show about his recruitment, why Penn State was the choice, how he broke the news to James Franklin, and what he's looking forward to uh, working with Tyler Bowen, Pat Fryermuth, and company in Happy Valley. Uh, but first, Sean, we will start with a coaching staff addition. It did not take James Franklin long to find a replacement for Matt Limegrover. Last Tuesday, uh, New Year's Eve, we learned that Limegrover would not have his contract renewed by Penn State. Uh, and it turns out by the end of the week, Friday, news breaks that it is Phil Troutwine, former Florida Gator player, most recently on the Boston College staff as their offensive line coach. He's heading here. He is here, and he's setting up shop uh, with a pretty impressive group for 2020. No doubt about it. Uh, Phil Troutwine, the news came just, uh, I think, hours after we recorded. Actually, that night I was out with my wife, and I believe you were out with your wife, and uh, it was a whole mess. Nobody cares, but uh, it, it broke late on a Friday night. Uh, Phil Troutwine, your guy from Boston College, uh, Jersey Roots. I know that's the, why you're a big fan of him. Uh, but yeah, this, is, this looks like a good hire on paper from coaches that I've spoken to. Very well thought of, even though he's just 33 years old. He's got NFL experience. Uh, former Gators got a couple of national championship rings. Um, but really, the, this is a guy that uh, I, I think when we talked last week on the show, we said the wheels were probably already in motion. James Franklin knew what he was going to do. And that turned out to be the case. Turn around very quick hire. Gives Penn State a chance to to get it out there during the college football uh, bowl season news cycle. So in between those bowls and uh, the national championship game, which is always a nice time to get your name out there to to to, to be spoken about. So Troutwine, what does he bring? Um, you know, experience is not heavy, but he's done a really good job. Boston College offensive line, they know how to run the football. You know, he play, or excuse me, he coached under Steve Adazio. Steve Adazio is a fantastic offensive line uh, mind, so I'm sure he's picked that. Uh, yeah, a little bit green, but I, I like what he's done so far. And you talk to coaches around the country, they say, you know, this is a, this is an exciting move for Penn State. You don't typically think of it as an offensive line coach as an exciting move, but this is, uh, this is one of those ones that I think is going to turn some heads. I mean, Troutwine is going to be a head coach at some point down the road. That's just the, the theme that you keep picking up when you talk to people about him. Nice personality uh, guy that uh, I guess you, you usually don't expect the younger coaches to be the technicians and things like that. But in speaking to people, um, you know, who have worked with Troutwine or been around Troutwine, um, they're very impressed with the way that he's able to communicate to these guys. Obviously not much older than them, um, but still, I think it's uh, it, it's there's a high level of respect for this guy, even though he is just 33 years old. Yes, South Jersey native Phil Troutwine. Um, heading to campus, and, and, and it is a pre it's an impressive resume, uh, and you factor in his playing days uh, and what he was able to do uh, really quickly as a coach. I mean, we talked a couple of weeks ago, Sean, about Kirk Shiraka and, and how many years he spent in obscure locations on campuses that you know you may have never heard of until you looked at Kirk Shiraka's resume. And this is a guy, uh, Phil Troutwine, who was a two-time team captain 
it, it, where the center of the college football universe was uh, in the late part of, of the 2000s. I don't know what the, the, the aughts that decade, um, you know, when the Florida Gators, uh, whatever it's called, Sean, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, yes. I was going to say last. I was going to say last decade, but that just takes us a couple of weeks back. Anyways, the Florida Gators were, you know, the, the preeminent power there. They won a couple of national championships. They had a Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback, and this guy's at left tackle, serving as a two-time team captain uh, under Urban Meyer as the head coach there. And what stands out to me about that aspect and why I go right to that is you think about that team. And what we know about some of those players now, the personalities that were in that locker room, a bunch of future NFL uh, stars, you know, players who have gone on to get in a lot of trouble. We've learned that it was a bit of a zoo trying to wrangle that locker room, but they got it together. And I have to imagine the team captains were a big part of that. Tim Tebow always is the vocal point of that. But hey, Trout won a two-time leader in that locker room. I think that's important to point out. And the success at Boston College, you know, you just look at the accolades that have come through each of his offensive linemen last year ended up in some form or fashion getting all ACC honors. Uh, he had uh, two guys get on the second team, another on the third team, another on the honorable mention. John Phillips, a first team selection. That speaks volumes, I think. And additionally, uh, produced a first round pick out of Boston College last year uh, to the uh, Atlanta Falcons in, in a Lindstrom. So, I mean, you talk about just a, a very small body of work as a coach. But I think when you attach the leadership role he played and again, what was the focal point of the college football universe when I was in college, Gainesville, I think that's a lot to, to kind of hang his hat on at an early age. There's certainly a lot to like. I mean, you, you know, he's working with something different. I mean, he's got uh, a, a new offense he's going to have to to work with Kirk Shiraka with and, and see how they can implement their running game into what Penn State has been trying to do. And of course, Penn State's got some fantastic running backs to work with. So um, so that helps. But uh, it's going to be a little bit of a transition period. But the good news for him, you've got some pieces in place already. Of course, you've got your center, which I think, you know, and, and this is this is up for evaluation. I mean, maybe maybe Phil Troutwine sees Michael Minnett and says, hey, maybe he can be a better guard. Maybe Mike Miranda can be a better center. You're not sure um, what he's going to see for a first impression, but he's got experienced guys in there. Uh, you're going to have your left tackle back in Rasheed Walker. You're going to have Minnett, of course, in the center. Um, you're going to have a couple of guards that have played, and then you're also going to have Will Fries on the right side, uh, but also... Ex- not, I don't want to call them experience depth, but they've got um, Des Holmes got in there for uh, uh, you know fairly regular snaps this year. Caden Wallace is a guy that they're very high on. Um, you're not sure what you're going to get out of Anthony Wigan and, and Bryce Effner, but you've got numbers to work with. You're going to you know sort of play around with that in the spring. So uh, he he has to like the situation that he's coming into with a veteran presence like Mennett in the middle of that line, I think it, it, it really can go a long way from bridging uh, what he's missing or what he has missed um, you know, from, from not being here, getting into what he's going to get when he gets into the spring. And look, he wasn't a Pro Bowl offensive lineman at the NFL level, but he spent four years with various franchises at the professional ranks. And that means something. That means something on the recruiting trail. That means something when you talk to your players, a guy like Will Fries, who who needs to make a considerable leap to put himself in a position uh, to go off to the NFL and be successful. And and you can look across the board, guys who are maybe on that cusp of, of being you know undrafted free agents in a couple years from now, or maybe building a draft stock. So he's gone down that road. Uh, he's proven himself uh, as a player and now now as a mentor and very curious you know he's gonna have five players coming in only one of them will be there early and he gets a good start with Nick Dawkins we, we you know you and I are both high on Nick Dawkins personality I don't think he's gonna play in 2020 but that's the kind of kid who he's gonna get a chance to, to, to work with right away and I think it's gonna be very beneficial for both ends uh, to start that uh, from from you know from this week on so uh, you know from the recruiting standpoint 
you know, we got a little bit of feedback so far. And I, and I know the, the conversation right now, because of how things are timing out and maybe how his recruitment is unfolding, uh, we spent a lot of time talking with Land- about Landon Tengwall, the five-star out of Maryland. You spent a lot of time talking about him. But before we get into 2021, also remember, he was at Boston College. So, you know, he's familiar with the guys that they're bringing in in 2020. You know, uh, he's certainly familiar with the, with the guys in the WCAC, um, Nick Dawkins, as you mentioned before. Um, so, I mean, it, it's going to be interesting to see how, the, you know, because there's a lot to work with in that. And now those guys, I think, are a little further uh, from playing. I mean, the, the Golden Achumbas and, and Olafashanos and those guys. Uh, Ibrahim Traore, uh, obviously right up uh, not far from, from, from Boston College. But, uh, yeah, you've got a lot to work with in that 2020 class, and then you bridge that gap to the 2021 class. As, as we've said, outside of quarterback, no more important, no no more top-of-the-board guys than in 2021. Landon Tangwell, I'll tell you what, he seems pumped about it. I mean, the, you read his comments uh, or you talk to him. Uh, I believe I, I believe I quoted him as the greatest hire they could have made. Now, you know, obviously that's uh, – that's he said really before nice... that was Tyler Bowen, but it's nice yeah, exactly. to know this one worked too. <laughs> exactly, but uh, that's a pretty, still a pretty good statement. Talk to to Todd Rucci, uh, you know Nolan Rucci's father. They, they're impressed. They've known him since Boston College. Tristan Lee has had a prior relationship with him, and then there's guys all over the place that that he's had relationships with. Uh, Wyatt Millam's going to come up and see him in January. So, I mean, I, I don't think you're losing anything. Uh, Matt, Matt Limegrover, tremendously nice guy, uh, well-respected. I don't really think you're losing much, especially from a recruiting standpoint here. No, I think the dynamics are, are, are a bit different now, and, and certainly at that position when you hit the recruiting trail. And, and like you said, personable uh, you know, veteran of the of the industry, Matt Limegrover. But, you know, again, the resume here at 33 years old is just uh, quite a bit more dynamic, I think, from Phil Troutwine. Uh, very curious to see what he's able to do. Maybe some new names uh, surface on the Penn State target board that he brings with him, uh, guys that he really liked upon evaluation uh, up at the Boston College facilities. We'll find that out soon. But really quickly, I mentioned this last week, Sean, that, uh, you know, there was no one left from the 2017 offensive coaching staff. And, you know, you kind of shuffle the deck here, take a look. The longest tenured member of this offensive coaching staff all of a sudden is Tyler Bowen. That's pretty crazy. And and he's, I, I guess he's still the youngest too, because uh, Troutwine's 33, I believe Bowen's 31. So you've got some, got some youth on that side. So that's certainly it. Uh, Kirk Shiraka is not going to contend for that, uh, that title anytime soon, but Back to 2021 for a second, and, it, and it's interesting because you kind of you don't reset the board considering what's out there. I mean, those four guys that we've talked about sort of nonstop, and and Rucci, Tangwall, Lee, and Millam are still out there. But he's got guys, you know, uh, Bennett Pitcher's a guy that was up in Massachusetts, Boston College offered, Penn State offered, um, just around the country. You've got, uh, you know, you've got guys. Uh, it's slipping my mind here, uh, Rayshon Benny in in Michigan, Caleb Tiernan in Michigan. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's guys all over the place, and Nate Bruce isn't going anywhere because Matt Limegrover is leaving. So you've got an opportunity. Rocco Spindler was the the kid I was trying to figure out. Uh, it was a pit legacy out in uh, Michigan that uh, he's got a relationship with Trout Wine. He's going to talk about an official visit here in the spring. So you've got options out there. It's a pretty wide net to begin with. Um, but when you throw into into when you take into account his prior relationships and his, I guess, ability to do what he did in the short time that he was at Boston College, then I, I mean, you gotta like where you're coming from from a recruiting standpoint. Uh, at some point soon, we hope to be able to, to get in front of both of the new additions in a press conference setting, uh, Kirk Sharaka, Phil Troutwine. We'll, we'll stay tuned for that. And when that happens, obviously, you can expect a lot of content from us on Lions 24-7. Uh, but for now, if you're good with it, I think it's time to turn the attention to these 11 early enrollees who uh, are making the leap up to Penn State. 
lightning round. We're going to go through everyone <laughs> very quickly. Very quick thoughts. Uh, we'll start off with Colbert. I think you listed them here in no particular order, it looks like. Uh, maybe alphabetical. Alphabetical, yeah. alphabetical by last name. Okay, that's where you got <laughs> Okay, I'm, I'm not good with the letters. Um, but we'll start with Cole Brevard. This is a guy that's, that, that came on, uh, came into the class fairly early. Uh, defensive tackle that's going to be, you know, he was a high school defensive tackle, going to be a defensive tackle in college. This guy's a space eater. I don't think you see him being a pass rush specialist or anything like that. He, his job is to eat up blockers. He did that at the high school level. Now, his, his ranking and his rating went down as his, um, as his high school career went on. Not the most explosive guy out there, but a strong guy that you can put in the middle of your defense to eat up blockers. Yeah, two-time All-State selection in Indiana, finished his career at Carmel High School with a state championship last season. Uh, Nick Dawkins is next up. Uh, if you've listened to the podcast uh, for the last few months, uh, you've heard him a couple of times as a guest on our show. Very clearly, man-to-man in this class, he was the leader of the 2020 recruiting class. That always said something about a player. It reflects who they are and reflects what you're adding to the locker room. Now he's going to have to take a step back. Now he's going to be a reserve offensive lineman, but I think he can be a tone setter. He's getting to campus early um 28 pancake blocks he played his best football i think when you compare his senior film to his junior film there was a noticeable uh uh you know transition for him and into becoming a more of a force and uh, more consistently dominant and I you know much of that credit has to go to the Penn State staff and Lime Grover I know his high school staff did a lot of work but he was you saw him he was at every camp there you know you turn around Nick Dawkins was at camp again Nick Dawkins is at camp again and that's very rare you see a lot of commits show up to camp and stand in their shorts and a t-shirt and kind of be the assistant coach to their position coach and tag along and spend the day in a golf cart and, and you know wear the Penn State stuff but he was out there sweating and working with guys who were you know striving and trying to get their own offers and that always made an impression and, and of course we've mentioned this several times he is the son of former NBA star Daryl Dawkins Chocolate Thunder uh, you know big time player the Philadelphia 76ers a top five NBA draft pick who unfortunately passed away a few years back but Nick says he really wants to keep that legacy of that last time name alive and that's his big mission at Penn State he's not Chocolate Thunder Jr. by the way I don't know if you saw that tweet this week oh I saw it um, yeah but, but Nick Dawkins, he's the lowest rated guy in the 24-7 composite in this class. And, and if that's your floor, it seems to be a pretty good spot. Nick Dawkins still growing. I mean, he's about 6'2 and a half coming into his junior year. Now he's up above 6'4", legitimate size-wise. So um, I, I still think he's an interior guy all the way. But, you know, he's he, he's got a lot going for him on and off the field. Moving on to wide receiver, Jaden Dotton is coming in. Now wide receiver, of course, a spot where, you know, you're going to have an opportunity. If you're, if you're a body on that roster at wide receiver, you're going to have the opportunity to step in and do something in the spring. Uh, Dotton has to add size, no doubt about it. I think this is a guy that uh, the weight room, the, the strength and conditioning program is really going to, you know, be uh, vital for in his career. So uh, skilled player, smooth player, um, quick, short area quickness, very good uh, shuttle time, has to improve on his speed, has to, to get a little bit bigger. First team all New England selection, played on both sides of the ball, played a little defensive back, and someone, as you said, he's a wiry six foot three. The length is there, but you, you think about going up against a Big Ten defense, there's work to be done on Nick Dotton's end. Uh, in terms of, of someone who came to camp and earned an offer, uh, Tyler Elsden fits that bill. Uh, showed up a couple times this summer back in June. Uh, Brent Pry liked what he saw, encouraged him to get back on campus, liked what he saw again, got the offer, very quickly committed. You're going to hear from Tyler Elsden on our podcast uh, a little bit further down the road once he's on campus but uh, with him I think the big thing is there's a lot of pride in, in, in getting to this point because he comes from a family that got together on Saturdays or made the trip to Beaver Stadium watched a lot of 
Penn State football growing up, and it's always a really cool story to hear when a kid fulfills the dream, wears the uniform, uh, and very productive player, uh, 88 tackles, 15 for loss, five sacks, three forced fumbles as a senior, more than 200 tackles as an upperclassman, Sean, and 247 paid attention. He got to bump up the four-star status midway through his final prep campaign. High floor, throwback, lunch pail, cliche kid. Uh, Really excited to get that Penn State offer. I remember talking to him shortly after the camp, and I I hung up the phone and basically went into my phone and put in a crystal ball for him. He was so excited to get that Penn State offer. It means so much uh, to to, to people from that region, and he's just a a really special kid, a really important kid. Uh, You know, stepping into the linebacker room right now is not an easy job. I mean, he's he's a Mike in my eyes, uh, can play the will as well, because those positions are kind of interchangeable. But, uh, you know, he's uh, he's probably more athletic than you give him credit for. He's 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 going to have to go, I guess, probably on the Jesse Lucetta uh, plan in terms of he's got to get faster in a straight line. But his short area quickness is good. His size is good. Um, I, I see him as a redshirt guy, but he's a guy that definitely can step in probably as a redshirt freshman and play uh, on some special teams. I could see him playing on special teams as a true freshman. But when you're taking a look at the uh, the linebacker lineup, what you saw with Lance Dixon this year is they didn't want to waste just waste him on special teams. So I feel that Elston's probably going to be in line for a redshirt. But he's got uh, promise there at that position. Moving back over to the other side of the ball. Oh, you got something to say? I was going to say, he does, have, he does have some success at running back on his high school film. And I think that's always something to be aware of, that linebacker. It's something that James Franklin likes to reference a lot about linebackers they recruit. He will be the first linebacker of the three four-stars, Uriah Fisher. Uh, and, of course, Curtis Jacobs, a top member of this class, will be on campus. From a local guy, Sean, to a player who's making a, a big move in his career and in his life, uh, Keziah Holmes coming up from Cocoa, Florida. The speed is there, 4-4 range kind of quickness. A guy who lit it up down in Florida his last couple of years, 1,500 all-purpose yards as a junior, followed that up with, uh, I think, 1,700 all-purpose yards as a senior, uh, 19 touchdowns rushing this year, and, and someone who was drawn to J1 Sider immediately took a light look at Florida State, liked what he saw, the feelings that he experienced on his official visit to Penn State were not shaken off, and he is already on campus as we speak. Yeah, this is a kid where... If the running back room weren't at four right now, the four guys that they have, and it's anybody's guess how that looks come the end of spring or or going into August, I would say no doubt about it because Aya Holmes plays. I mean, he's... uh, you know, the speed is there. The game-breaking ability is there. Does he get into the return game, factor in the return game? Do you put him in the slot? Can you? This kid is is really good. And like I said, this is a kid that the more I watched, and I, you know, I was high on him to begin with, but I wasn't over the moon about him. But the more you watch from him, the more you see him just put, the, put his foot in the ground and get upfield. Uh, he's, he's a tremendous football player, so I'm excited to see what he can do. That said, I don't know where he fits in right now. I mean, you've got four running backs that are coming back that uh, you know have all played substantial time. You're going to get Devin Ford and Noah Kane an offseason to work uh, with, with, with Dwight Galt. So, I mean, it's, it's anybody's guess how that rotation looks. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just, I wrote this piece on Noah Kane and we'll talk about Noah a little bit later, but like, you know, Noah Kane isn't even guaranteed, you know, half, half of the reps next year. And you'd be surprised. I mean, you got Journey Brown, who's the least distinguished uh, in terms of recruiting background. And he has to be your, you know, formidable favorite to enter as the first team guy in 2020 based off how he finished. But, you know, you've got four guys now on campus uh, with Slade, Ford, Kane, and Holmes, who are all four or five star prospects. And by the way, Kevon Lee's coming in June. So it's, I mean, it's a great problem to have. But J1 Sider was asked, you know, after the game in the, in the locker room at, at the Cotton Bowl, you know, it seemed to be, uh, you know, hard to figure out how to use four, how do you use six? 
And he said, if you have a great idea, let me know. So he's got some time to figure it out. He's going to assess these guys. We'll see if anyone is encouraged or tempted by the transfer portal, maybe after spring camp. We don't know how that's going to shape out. It's a personal decision. But there's nowhere on this roster that, to me, is more fascinating than that running back room. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's absolutely right. I just uh, I think it's it's like we said with running back recruiting last year, and with Marshawn Lloyd going elsewhere and Chris Tyree going to Notre Dame. You know, they're going to land a good one. I'm not sure who it's going to be. They're going to land a good one. I think Penn State's going to have uh, you know a really good running game next year. And I just don't know how it's I don't know how it's going to happen. So, uh, but but I I have, I have faith that it will. So just based on what what they have personnel wise. Moving to the other side of the ball, Enzo Jennings, the safety, the Under Armour All American, uh, very quiet in terms of you know this is a kid that committed yeah we'll say fairly early and uh, you didn't hear much from him afterward. I mean K- Kentucky was coming after him, some other schools were coming after him. Really didn't seem to uh, to fault uh waiver or anything like that but uh had a good week at under armor i talked to brian dome when he got back and he said hey man this kid he's got something he's he's really good um you know just in in a sense that he can move he can play uh he played a little bit of corner down in uh down in orlando and did a pretty good job with uh you know with coverage and things like that so i mean you've got something there goes back to is his body ready to step in and, and play safety right away is he a guy that uh, can can dent your too deep right away I think he's probably a guy like Tyler Rudolph in that maybe if you were in a in a, in a spot where you were very thin he could step in and play but I still see a red shirt I and mean, it's just none of these safeties um, none of these high school safeties or high school defensive backs I think can step in right away and just make an impact like we saw last year with some of those other guys He's got considerable experience at cornerback. Uh, the, the numbers on the opening regional camp circuit were impressive. A 4.06 shuttle, almost a 38-inch vertical leap, and, and this is a kid who naturally has some length to him. Uh, Joe Johnson, uh, a cornerback who we're going to get to right now, He's also, uh, full disclosure, we packed it full this week uh, in terms of interviewing these early enrollees for podcast appearances. You're going to hear from Theo Johnson today, but we're going to spread this out over the next few weeks, and you'll get to hear from a lot of different guys. Joe Johnson's one of them. He gave me some insight on Enzo Jennings. Uh, they spent some time together down uh, on the camp circuit. Uh, and and Joe Johnson is is the one guy where you say, is there someone on defense this year that comes in, plays right away, makes that impact? I, I, aside from Curtis Jacobs, I continue to kind of veer in his direction. You know, he's six foot two, but but as he as he said in the interview that we just conducted with him, uh, you know, he's always been the longest kid on his team in any sport, and he played basketball, and you know, kind of has that just uh, you know his. his hands go down to his knees kind of frame. So uh, a four-star cornerback, they signed three of those last year. Two of them burned their red shirt in Keaton Ellis and Marquise Wilson. Uh, But I think with Joe Johnson, not only is it uh, the physical aspect that I like, but I think he's got it together mentally. We talked a lot about how that assisted Marquise Wilson in his emergence in the defensive backfield because of what he brought uh, to the mind uh, to, from from a mind standpoint uh, and his confidence. I get some of those similar vibes from Joe Johnson. It's a kid who I think when he's in those matchups, he'll be humble early on the field. Trust me, it's going to happen to every young cornerback. But I think he is a guy who is equipped mentally and physically uh, to play if called upon as a freshman. Very talented kid. Obviously, the length is is all we talk about with Joseph Johnson. Uh, but he can run. He can run a little bit, and he can. You know, he's got a natural cover instinct. Now he tackles like a cornerback, so that's uh, something that may keep him off the field early. May keep him off the field at special teams. Not a particularly 
physical at the point of attack type guy, but uh, you know he's uh, he's got a lot to like from a coverage standpoint. I'm curious how this 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 cornerback room turns out. As uh, you know, Tariq Castro Fields, of course, is going to come back, but you've got a lot of bodies in there. Two of them redshirted last year. You got Marquise Wilson and, and Keaton Ellis who can press for that other spot. You're not sure what Donovan Johnson uh, is going to give you coming off of that injury. Is Trent Gordon going to be a safety in the spring? I think that's certainly a possibility. So you've got a lot uh, a lot of moving pieces at corner, but a lot of pieces to start with and and does joe johnson make it onto the field in front of some of those guys i don't know but uh i guess we'll see because i i think he's a tremendously talented guy i believe he's the only corner in the class and and, and they really like what they were getting from johnson uh from a, a player standpoint honestly uh it, it was drama free i mean we talked about this signing day it, it ended up being drama free all the way down the uh down to the end and honestly didn't really expect that one yeah, from Joe Johnson to Theo Johnson, again, a guy you're going to hear a lot from on this episode, uh, the last addition to this class. And there are some health concerns. We'll get into that in the conversation with Theo. He was pretty candid about where things stand. He had a, a scare down in Orlando at the Under Armour All-America practice field. Um, but let's face it, if, if he is ready to roll physically, he's going to have an opportunity to push Zach Koontz, Britton Strange, uh, to be that number two guy, to be in the mix, to see significant action, maybe burn that red burn that red shirt behind Pat Fryermuth. Pat Fryermuth, big part of the process uh, to get him to campus. Uh, this was a tough decision for him. He, he wrestled with four different schools, postponed his commitment one time, but he is the number one player out of Canada and continues a pretty strong track record that Penn State has established in Ontario. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy, we've talked so much about Theo Johnson on this podcast. This is a guy that uh, definitely, I think, long-term is one of the highest ceiling guys in this class and eventually on this roster. He's got a lot. To, there's a lot to like about him. Uh, as an early impact guy, I'm still kind of up in the air. We're gonna, you're going to talk to him about that shoulder injury that he had. And, you know, is, does that set him back in spring ball? Or does that set him back through winter workouts where he needs to get into the flow and, and learn some things? We will see. Nobody's unseating Pat Fryermuth anytime soon. Uh, we'll see how Kirk Shiraka chooses to use his tight ends, but you got a couple of good ones in Brenton Strange and, and Zach Kuntz. They're probably the guys that I'm watching closely. I don't know that Theo's going to break through, but I mean, talent-wise, I mean, he's got the ability to do so. It's just, it's a really good position. We talked about running back being good, uh, you know, just pound for pound, tight end might be even better. So I'm um, really curious to see how Johnson breaks through, eventually how Tyler Warren breaks through as well, because that's, that's a good group right there, man. Yeah, from one position group where it is a major uphill climb to see action in 2020 to one where the door is wide open for someone if they want to come in and take it. Keandre Lambert at wide receiver, and he's the guy we've circled for a long time as as a potential, uh, you know, extensive player in his first year on campus. I know you're high on Parker Washington. I am too, but uh, Lambert with a head start here, uh, three consecutive 1,000-yard seasons down at Murray High School in Norfolk, Virginia. He's the nephew of former Seahawks All-Pro Safety Cam Chancellor. It's the guy who carries a chip on his shoulder I don't know if that's the right word but you want to talk about competitive man he was going up against some of the best in the country this year the spring and the summer on the camp circuit he is not someone who backs down I think that's always a good sign at a position where it is so much about your one-on-one mentality and winning that battle every play and coming in with that mindset and again I think if he has a strong winter conditioning program hits the ground running in the spring avoids uh, any kind of health setbacks I see Jared Parker find a role for this kid pretty early we didn't hear much from him from the uh, the All American Bowl down in San uh, San Antonio. I saw him play a little bit, but uh, I think he had one catch for maybe a yard or something like that on a little bubble a tunnel screen. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm curious to see how he competes at the college level. I know what I've seen from him at the high school level. I love I love his talent. I love his his willingness to get in there and and mix it up. And he's done a really good job with that. Uh, 
how will he take to the strength program? How will he take to the physical aspect of the college game? I think that's a really um, big thing. And I mentioned that Army, or excuse me, the uh, the All-American Bowl, used to be the Army Bowl. I mentioned that All-American Bowl for another reason. It's because I saw a similar thing when I used to cover Under Armour. Uh, a kid named Chris Godwin went down there and got in with some really, really good talent and did some nice things throughout the week, but not standout things, really didn't do anything in the game, came up to Penn State and had a heck of a career. So if you're trying to, to gauge where he's at based on that, it's, and, and I hate say, I hate generalizing, but kids from the North and the Northeast, they get into that situation. And sometimes it's, it's, it's big. It's a culture shock because you're used to being so much better than some of these kids. And then you play against kids from Texas and Louisiana and Florida and Georgia and all over the place. And it's, it's tough. So We'll see if uh, if that's what's the case with Keandre Lambert. From what I've seen from him in the past, I have no doubts about his talent, his ability, and his uh, you know willingness to get in there and mix it up. And given that uh, matching that up with what Penn State has on its depth chart on its roster at receiver right now, I think it bodes well for him to play early. Uh, staff's very high on him. I'm very high on him, uh, regardless of his performance down in San Antonio. And we'll wrap up this uh, this outlook with a couple defensive linemen, very different statures in their own right. And you'll hear from both of these guys in upcoming editions of the Lions twenty four seven podcast. Start with Brace Mostella. He wins the tallest uh, signing award, six foot seven, two hundred and thirty five pounds. Uh, the son of a former All SEC linebacker uh, at Auburn, Marcellus Mostella. Uh, definitely the most interesting commitment video, not just of this class, but I would say the entire recruiting cycle. He calls himself an out of the box personality. You're going to enjoy that interview. It's not much about football, but in terms of football, there is a lot to work with here. Um, he says uh, a guy that he would like to emulate is Chandler Jones, who's now with the Arizona Cardinals, someone who had some success with the Patriots, a big bodied, long limb defensive end. Uh, and Mostella, you know, again, 235 pounds with that kind of frame. Uh, can't wait to see what it looks like in 2023. The most interesting man in the class, no doubt about it. Uh, you you told me about your interview with him, and, and you seem pretty excited. So I, I can't wait to hear that one personally. Um, my only regret is I didn't get to, to sit in with that. But uh, Bryce Mostella, man, I, I, this one can be anywhere all over the map. I mean, he's got, he's got physical tools. He's got flexibility. He's got explosiveness. Um, and he's got mediocre tape. I mean, let's just call it like it is. Uh, this is a kid that, uh, you know, you've, you put on the tape and you don't even, th- you don't think big 10. You, I mean, you maybe think Mac or something like that. Uh, but he, he's got a lot to work with physically. He's got the frame to go and he's got time to do it. He's got good defensive ends in front of him. Penn state's probably not going to call on Mostella for another two or three years. And, and we'll see where he's at down the, down the road, but, uh, a lot of football to be, uh, developed in this kid, but there's, I can see why they like him so much. Iowa was a school that was in on him until the end. And in my opinion, you know, if I was going after a defensive end, I think they signed like 12 in this class. If they're going after a defensive end, he's got some traits that you want to look for. So he's got some twitch. He's got some explosiveness, some flexibility, some length. He's got a lot of pieces. He's just got to put that all together. And you want to talk about someone who's been putting those pieces together. A great story here for Tormo Moba uh, relocates from Liberia with his family in 2014 Picks up a game of football a few years back. It helps him kind of, uh, you know, gain friends, acclimate himself with a new surrounding. Turned out to be a tremendous turning point for his career because he ends up with a a slew of offers coming in uh, at the start of last spring. It culminates with a Penn State offer after a camp appearance in June. 
committed. It was a wild two-week span for him going from uh, no Penn State offer to a member of the recruiting class very quickly. He's checking in at about six foot three, 275 pounds right now, he tells us, uh, looking to probably get in the 300-pound range based on his conversations with Sean Spencer and the Penn State staff eventually. He talked about competing with Cole Brevard, pushing each other from day one at the defensive tackle spot. Um, and I think with Moba, you know, 12 sacks, that's, that's, a, that's a great thing to, to see. He has the athleticism. I think you went over the testing numbers from back in June and kind of surprises you when you take a look at the kid and then compare those notes. And, I, you know, that's probably part of the process uh, of why Penn State was able to to snag this commitment before, you know, word got out. And additionally, you know, he's, he's, he's a guy who was late to get into football, did not have a single offer this time last year. And, you know, he's one of those stories where I think, you know, maybe an afterthought for a lot of people when they assess this 2020 class on face value. But when we're doing the, you know, the, the, the wrap up five years from now and where are they now? I think he's someone who could really take off. Yeah, no doubt about it. He's got, uh, you know, you mentioned he's just under 6'3". He's got great reach. I mean, he's got those 33-ish arms, um, which are, you know, as a defensive tackle, that's something that you want. Uh, you know, I, you put him beside Cole Brevard, and, and Cole Brevard is not going to move. He's not as twitchy as uh, Fatorma Mulba, um, but uh, you get Brevard to hold up some blockers. Um, Mulba on the other side can, can be a little bit more active. So I'm uh, probably irrationally high on this kid. Saw him in camp, tested well. Uh, very strong kid. I think he put up what at 16 at 225 uh, before his senior year of high school. So he's got a lot going for him from that aspect. He's, he's another guy that's going to have to learn to play. I see him as a redshirt. Uh, I you know I see a lot of these defensive linemen as redshirt guys um, because you've got you know you've got guys in front of them that's going to keep them from the field. The Devon Ellis and Hakeem Beeman and guys like that. But I, I really like what Mobile brings to the table. I, he's he's my sleeper in this group, and uh, for for good reason. So curious to see where he's at in a year and a half. He's going to get in that strength program. He's going to figure out what he needs from a nutrition standpoint. That's some that's another thing that we probably often overlook. Is uh, you know I wrote a story about Adisa Isaac today. Adisa was two fifty or excuse me uh, two oh five about eighteen months ago. Now he's about two fifty. Get him in there, get his three squares, get his all, you know, get him to that nutrition bar, um, get him to the milkshakes and all that kind of stuff. And it's interesting to see how these guys' bodies take to it. And I think Maolba, even though he's already 270, 275 pounds, really is going to to be impressive. You know, he's going to be a guy that probably plays at 310 that looks like he's 295. Yeah, thanks for reminding me. I told, I texted this to you, but going back to Mastella, eating four to six burritos a day. To, to put on weight right now. I'm you so see. jealous of that. <laughs> yeah. Man, that'd be awesome. Me, me too, me too. Well, there's the 11. We're going to learn a lot more about them in the coming year. Uh, we're not going to have media access to them for, for at least a year. So um, uh, glad we could able to, we're able to get in a lot of these podcasts. You'll hear from them soon. But first, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and you'll get the first of those early and early interviews with Theo Johnson. All right, there were a lot of names on board with Penn State's 2020 recruiting class when the season began, and, and by the end of the season, just about complete uh, the final addition to this group as, as things went down to the wire towards the early signing period was Theo Johnson. He's kind enough to sacrifice a little bit of his time on a very busy week. Theo, uh, you are about 48 hours or, or so from hitting the road and coming to Happy Valley, along with some of your family members. I know mom little brother going to tag along with you. It's not their first trip to town, but first off, first off, congrats on getting to this point. Uh, I know it's, it's a long time coming, but as you said, before we started recording, you're starting to learn there's a lot to this college thing that maybe you didn't expect. Oh yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's been a long process and, um, 
I'm just super happy to finally be getting on campus. Um, and there's a ton of stuff that I've been running around, uh, like trying to figure out that I need, um, like dryer sheets and, and all these other little things that you don't really think about until you're getting ready to live on your own. So, um, I'm just really excited to get on campus on Friday. I'm pretty sure the Penn State football program will have you covered on all the food stuff, but, but the other things in a dorm and, and all that you'll have to figure out. Do you know who your teammate, uh, or I'm sorry, your roommate is, uh, upcoming? Uh, yeah, I'm going to be rooming with Kaziah Holmes. Great. Well, two, the two of you, obviously, uh, centerpiece prospects in the offensive class. Uh, we'll get to that in just a bit. But Theo, um, you know, you're a few weeks away, uh, removed from your decision at this point. Um, I know you've talked about this at length with some of our other 24-7 sports reporters, but, um, you know, how good did it feel to put that behind you? And, and what were the most important aspects of that recruitment process at, when you sat down and initially postponed the decision and then finally announced your decision? Um, it was a big relief for me, uh, finally being able to commit to Penn State. Um, it was a long time coming, and, and it was a very hard uh, process and a hard decision for me. Um, but ultimately, I feel like I've made the best decision for me. Um, and, you know, first, when I was first going to make my decision, I feel like I kind of just was like, okay, I got to make a decision now. Um, and then, like, when I really, the week before, I, like, really sat down, I talked to my mom about it. Um, and, like, there's a difference between, like, talking about it and, like, really getting into it. Um, and me and my mom really got into it, like, about a week before the first decision. Um, and I was, like, after that conversation, I was, like, I am completely confused. And there's no way that I could go from the level of confusion I'm at right now to being 100% confident in my decision in a week. Like, I just didn't see that happening in a week's time. Um, so that's why I ultimately uh, postponed my decision. Um, and then really, honestly, it just came down to a big thing for me was um, I wrote out all the things that, you know, I was looking for in a college and, and that I was making my decision off of. Um, and I numbered them from one to four and all the four schools I had it down to. Um, and really looking at it like visually looking at it it was like penn state was either one or two in in the majority of the columns um and just visually seeing that um i feel like that kind of helped me realize that you know it was it was really just the best decision for me um and that made me help my confidence with my decision and and kind of help me stop thinking so much um and then that's really how i i came to my decision ultimately and when you have that peace of mind that that is where you want to go, who was the first person you contacted on Penn State's end, and what was their reaction? Um, so I called Coach Franklin about 30 minutes before I was about to commit. And I called him, and I kind of played with him a little bit. Uh, he was in uh, like a Smoothie King in Florida. Um, he was actually about to see Kaziah, or he just saw Kaziah or something like that. Um, and he was with... Uh, coach Sider and uh, they were like I called him I was like hey coach um, you know I just want to say like thank you for recruiting me and thank you for everything so I kind of I kind of milked it a little bit and I played with him and I kind of kind of hearing his voice he's like oh man like, like he just felt like I was going to tell him like some bad news 
And then after I milked it a little bit, I said, uh, yeah, coach, I just want to say thank you. And um, I just want to let you know that I'm going to be a nitty line. And he started like screaming and stuff on the phone and going crazy. And uh, he told me that like all the people in the smoothie king were like looking at him like he was crazy. And he had to go outside and coach I had to like explain to them like the situation and stuff. Um, so that was obviously a great reaction to hear um, as soon as I made my decision. Oh man, I I can just picture the the scene in the Smoothie King in, in South Florida. It sounds tremendous. So now, for your for your decision, once that is made, uh, Pat Fryermuth said that along the way he was really in your ear. I don't know how much he was contacting you, but I had a chance to speak with him before the Cotton Bowl. Uh, he said you were a big priority for him, and he and he made you some promises. One that he would take you under his wing, show you his process, do everything he could to kind of serve as a mentor. How did he relay that information to you over the course of your recruitment, and, and how much of a role did Pat play, not just not just because of his production, but because of who he is as a person and what he'll be for you at Penn State? Um, it was really big. It was really big for me, and that's something that, you know, a uh, big thing my high school coach was telling me was he was just saying, like, the like what you'll learn from, like, a guy like Pat, like, one of the best tight ends in the country and stuff, like, that's that's like priceless like you can't really put a, a price on that like the the amount of knowledge and, and stuff that i'll be able to just soak up from from being around him would be so would be huge um and throughout the process like at first there's definitely like times where i could tell that coach bowen was saying like hey pat like just say what's up to see or whatever um but kind of as it went on our conversations were like a little bit more lengthy and i could tell like just by what he was saying to me um, I was just like, yeah, there's no way that, like, he would, there's no way that he would say this, like, there's no way Coach Bowen would tell him to say this to me, like, he was, he was really just saying this to me, like, he was telling me, like, he wanted to play with me, and um, he wanted to, like, help me reach my goals and stuff, and help me get better, um, and, you know, he was really just, just saying all this stuff to me, and saying how, how much he believed in me, and, um, you know, that's, that's something that, like he wouldn't just say because somebody was telling him to say it. He he said that because he he really felt that way. Um, so it was definitely it's definitely a, a big deal for me to know coming in that I'm gonna have someone like Pat to to work with and learn from. Um, so it's gonna be really big for for my development when I get there. It's hard to believe now, but just two years ago at this time, Pat was in the same shoes as you. I remember catching up with him the week before his enrollment, and and he's had so much early success. Theo and and before him, Mike Isiki set a bunch of program records for tight end production, and then Pat's about to shatter all those records next year. Um, how much did that track record of productivity at your position? How much did that play a role for you? Um, I think it was it was big. It was big for me. Um, just past you know past players was kind of a big thing I was looking at and, and kind of how the history and the track record of of tight end usage and and tight ends past um and just seeing you know Mike Kosicki how how well he did and um how how great Pat's been doing like off rip as a freshman um that's definitely something that you like to see um just like success early it just shows that um like obviously the development's there and the development's there like very relatively quickly um so that, that was big for me seeing that um, there's obviously development there, um, and just seeing that 
you know, I'm going to get the whole whole package deal. It's not I'm I'm not really making any trade offs. It's really I'm kind of getting the most of the most of everything. You're entering a room with Coach Bowen that features not just Pat, but a couple recent blue chip tight end recruits, Zach Koontz, who will be in his third year. Brenton Strange will be a redshirt freshman. Um, I'm assuming you're not a guy who's frightened by the depth chart at any program, but um, is that something that at least had to cross your mind and, and as you as you work your way through a competition and trying to get on the football field? Yeah, it's definitely, obviously, you know, whoever's telling you that they're not looking at the depth chart is lying to you. Um, everybody, that's something that everybody looks at and everybody kind of has in the back of their mind. Um, I'm not, I'm not really scared of competition or anything like that. Um, I'm trying to get the job just like everybody else. And at the end of the day, the, the guy who <laughs> is the best is going to be on the field. Um, so, you know, I'm going to go in there and I'm, I'm going to get to work. And if I beat them out, then I'm the, I'm the best guy and I deserve it and I earn it, then I'm going to be on the field. And that's really, uh, that's really how it's going to go. Um, the coaches have told me they're not favoring anybody and, um, they're not like coach, coach Bowen has told me many times, um, like the best guy is going to be on the field. Um, so I'm not, I'm not afraid of, of competition by any means. Uh, for much of your recruitment, for most of your recruitment, Ricky Ronnie was the offensive coordinator, I guess for all your recruitment because he left after you signed. But um, mm-hmm. Kirk Shiraka comes in now as the offensive coordinator. I am assuming you have heard from him by now. What is the early dialogue like and what's your initial reaction to that move by Coach Franklin? Um, honestly, I have not spoken to him yet. Um, have not talked to the new OC yet. Um, I know I will Friday. Um, they were trying to get me to talk to him uh, when I was at the Cotton when they were at the Cotton Bowl, but I was on the flight heading down to Florida, um, so I haven't I haven't spoken to him yet. But um, I feel like it's definitely a good move. Just um, seeing with how he, you know, the the Minnesota offense was uh, this year, um, and. I feel like it's going to be a very smooth transition, and I don't see a lot of huge changes coming in. But I feel like our offense is going to is going to get better for sure. You mentioned that flight to Florida. Um, you were down at the Under Armour All America event that they put on annually there in Orlando. Uh, first things first, uh, you put a scare into Nittany Lions Nation up here when everyone saw video or photos of, of you being injured. Um, where are you now? Was it was it more of a scare than, than it was a, a something? Uh, just we're, we're curious on your health right now. <laughs> yeah, um, honestly, I feel like it like it kind of it looked a lot worse than it was, and I feel like people kind of made it seem a lot worse than it was. Um, I just dislocated my shoulder, and it was just bad because like everybody thought it was bad because it didn't go back in, and they were trying to put it back in, they couldn't, so I had to go to the hospital, and they had to like give me a sedative and, and put it back in. Um, but I'm totally fine now. I've, I've seen some people in my city and, and they've like done tests on me and stuff. And they've, I haven't got an MRI yet. I'm waiting until I get to, to Penn state to do that. But, um, I feel totally fine now. I have limited, like almost no pain at all. Um, it's really just sore to be honest with you. Um, so I feel totally fine. And, um, the people I've seen have told me, you know, you wouldn't be able to do these certain movements, um, without any pain or any severe pain if, if you've torn something. So they think that, um, I, like ligament wise, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Um, but obviously you have to wait and see <clears throat> till I get an MRI to be for sure. But, um, it's, it's honestly nothing too serious. I just, 
pop my shoulder out. Well, certainly glad to hear that, that you avoided something more serious. Uh, down in Orlando, um, I know it didn't work out necessarily the way you wanted, but you had a chance to spend time with a couple of future teammates. Enzo Jennings, Curtis Jacobs were down there for the festivities. Um, what was it like to, to, to get some face time with those guys? And, and how do you feel about this class in total? What, what's kind of the uh, uh, some defining characteristics of your 2020 Penn State recruiting class? Um, so, you know, coming in late, I'm trying to catch up with – you know, getting to know all the guys, like most of the guys have a, 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 like, you know, I've already built a lot of relationships and stuff with everybody and I'm, I'm still trying to work my way and, and catch up with a lot of that stuff. But, um, you know, it was really good to spend time with, with Curtis. Like I've seen Curtis a whole bunch, um, like at the opening and stuff. Like I feel like every major camp I've been to, Curtis has been there. So, um, I've seen him a whole bunch and um, I spent a little bit of time with Enzo this past week and you know he's a real funny guy and, and it was good spending time with him and I'll definitely be uh, hanging out with him uh, when we get on campus too um, but you know as a class I feel like we have a really good class and um, I feel like we're going to be able to to come in and, and help Penn State next year um, and definitely for the years to come I feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of sleepers in our class and I feel like there's a lot of uh, a lot of hard workers in our class, and I feel like um, this this 2020 class is a class I feel like that will be talked about for sure. Um, you will be on campus in a few days, uh, about nine months or so from now. You'll be on the football field with Penn State, working to earn a spot uh, on at Beaver Stadium on the field. What are your personal expectations for your first year on campus? Um, honestly, I'm trying to like. You know, I've thought about setting expectations for myself, um, but really, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to go with the flow. Um, I'm going in, and I just want to learn the playbook and just start developing. Um, and you know, I'm really shooting to 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 get on the field and, and have a role my first year. Um, but like, depending on if I have to get shoulder surgery or something like that for some reason, I miss spring ball. Um, I'm just trying to go with the flow um, just so that if things don't go my way, it's not a, a devastating to me. Um, but I'm definitely trying to trying to earn a role my first year for sure. That's um, obviously anybody's goal. So um, I want to, I want to get to work and, and really just grind it out in spring ball and, and uh, just learn as much as I can so that by the time fall camp comes, um, I'll be able to, hopefully make a name for myself and, and start making strides towards, um, you know, getting some playing time uh, next fall. Just a couple more minutes with you, Theo, if that's okay. I wanted to pick your brain on uh, on Curtis Jacobs because you said you've, you've seen him a lot on the camp circuit. I imagine that means you've probably gone up against him quite a bit considering what your respective positions are. What is Penn State getting in Curtis Jacobs? Because he is the top-ranked player in this class. You know, you're in that conversation as well. Uh, what kind of talent is he on the defensive side of the football? Uh, he's he's very good. Um, I'm just gonna just be straight up. He's really good. Um, you know, I've like going to all these different things. Like I've played against a lot of safeties and 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 linebackers and stuff. Um, he's just really he's super athletic. He can do anything. Like he can play any position. He can do anything. Um, he's he's a very good player. Um, at the opening, he was the one. Like there's one rep I lost in one on ones. Could have been a better ball. Um, but he was the one rep I lost in, in the, at the opening one-on-ones. I won every other rep except for against him. Um, so he's, he's, he's gonna, he's gonna be able to help the team. Um, 
and he's going to do great things at Penn State. Like he's a very solid player. You're following in a line of not just Canadian prospects, but uh, out of Ontario, uh, coming down to Penn State, Jesse Lucchetta. I know you became quite familiar with him. Uh, Jonathan Sutherland, Daniel Joseph, and and you follow that. Is there a a natural bond uh, between you guys because of of the route you had to take? You're the one guy who stayed home. All those others I mentioned, they ended up going to prep school in America to, to reach where they are right now. But I believe Lucetta hosted you for your official visit. Correct me if I'm wrong, but how, how important is that? How much pride do you all take in that fact? Um, honestly, every single time I've been on campus, I've been with Jesse. Every single visit I've been with Jesse. Um, so me and him have definitely built a, a very good relationship. Um, and it's kind of like an instant. Um, like I knew, I knew who he was. Um, you know, before I got recruited and stuff, like I already knew, you know, there's not many people that go to big time schools from uh, in Ontario. So when there is, you kind of everybody knows about them. Um, so I already knew about Jesse and stuff. And um, it was kind of an instant, an instant thing. And I feel like definitely being from Canada and being from Ontario uh, kind of helped that um, a little bit. But, you know, um, there's not a lot of us. So we definitely have to, you know, stick together and, and help each other out and that's something he told me um like throughout the recruiting process is that you know he's going to take care of me and he's going to make sure i'm okay um just because you know it's not it's not easy being being in a, in a whole different country it's it's a lot different um than than it is in canada so he he made sure to let me know that he's going to take care of me um when i when i was down there with them not surprised to hear that. This is the last one for you, Theo. We've talked a lot about football. I promise you we will do that again once you get settled in here at Penn State. We get a chance to interview you as a member of the program down the road. But for now, do you know what you plan to study as as a student? And what are some things or something uh, about you that has nothing to do with football that you'd like Penn State fans to know about? Um, so I'm kind of undecided right now. Like I got accepted for psychology. Um, but I'm not sure if I want to study psychology. So I'm taking a bunch of, uh, like gen ed courses this first semester, um, just to kind of get a feel for things. And all these courses are going to count towards any major I decide I want to go to. Um, but I think I've been thinking about, you know, business or, or sports management, uh, maybe a little bit of like kinesiology and stuff. Like I've been kind of thinking about everything. So I'm, I'm kind of undecided right now, but I'm hoping to decide my major by by the summer session. Um, and then, uh, like, a big thing for me um, that I feel like people should know is, like, um, I'm just a very, you know, easygoing, family-oriented guy. Um, I come from a family of six boys and one mom. Um, so, you know, family's everything to me. Um, and, you know, when you're family... I'll do anything for you, and I'll ride with you. Um, so, you know, I'm 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 moving into a, a real big family here, um, and I'm gonna do anything to to help my guys and 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 work hard to help my team and and uh, help Penn State reach levels that um, they haven't been to in a long time. So, um, I'm just gonna I'm I'm a family guy, and, and I'll do anything for family. Well, you said it. Your family is definitely about to expand quite a bit. And, and it's nice to know that mom is making the trip to hand you off to Coach Franklin and company uh, this weekend. Theo, thank you so much for the time. Have a safe trip. Good luck picking up all those odds and ends in the dryer sheets and, and, and everything else you're looking for out there. Thanks a lot for the time. I look forward to seeing you here in Happy Valley. Yep. All right. No problem. It's it my pleasure.
As stated earlier, that is only the first of several conversations you will hear only on the Lions 24-7 podcast with members of this early enrollee group. 11 of the 27 already on campus checking in on Friday. I want to give a big shout out to Theo and the rest of the guys you'll hear from because many of them were in the process of packing, um, you know, just gathering their belongings and getting ready to, to, to make this big jump. Uh, and they took 15, 20 minutes out of that time to, to talk with us about the process. So I uh, really appreciate it from those guys. I appreciate it from Sean Fitz. Thank you, as always, for joining us for this edition of the Lions 24-7 Podcast. If you've been enjoying the show lately or you're a long-time listener and you haven't done so yet, please give us a rating or a review or both on Apple or whatever you're using to, to listen to this podcast. By the way, right now we have a deal going on. If you are not a VIP subscriber and if you are, there is a lot more that you are not hearing here that you will be able to read on our website. Insight from Sean, uh, myself, uh, from our entire collaborative effort of network specialists, the recruiting analysts from Steve Wiltfong to Brian Doan uh, all over the country. VIP access right now available to you, two months for $1. Just to get you started, get your feet wet, that is up right now, only for a few more days. So if you're hearing this, you want to act now. Two months, $1, do it. For now, stepping away, we'll talk to you soon on the Lions 24-7 Podcast.